0: Welcome to Draft Deeper on the No Ceilings Podcast Network. Thank you so much for joining us again on another Monday morning, and Happy Holidays to everybody listening to this episode. We are recording this technically before Christmas, but it's no, tell them it's Christmas, out. Nathan. Tell, 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 we're doing tell this them on it's Christmas. Christmas. No, yeah, it's, it's, Christmas. Their, it's their Christmas gift. All right, they're, <laughs> they're wrapping it the day after Christmas. It's it's the belated No Ceilings Christmas gift. How about that, Maxwell? That good enough? Right. Yeah,
1: it's fine. I I wanted him to think we were like extra dedicated. Like we yeah, we were, we're slaving away. Nathan,
2: <laughs> Nathan said no days off here on. Yeah, draft
1: sorry. TV. Uh, family time. Uh, I think a mock draft is is more important.
0: I I yeah. am going to be probably writing something on Christmas. So there you go. All the all I the dedicated too, yeah. hardcore listeners out there who expect me to be working instead of enjoying the holidays. I'll have the NBA up on one screen and my laptop going right in my lap so we will we will be certainly firing on all cylinders on christmas day but i am excited for this time of the year as i've been referencing this is my time off from my day job to where i really get to dive in deep on a ton of prospects and i can assure that both of you guys as well as the audience i've told you this before if i come back and my board looks completely different than what it did before don't be shocked because now i actually have time when to go does. through 60 to, 80 to 100 plus prospects in a little more detail than I usually am able to. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. But joining me tonight, as always, obviously, is my producer, Kevin Black, but Stephen Gillespie, Maxwell Baumbach. We are as, as spoiled at the beginning, Stephen, I'll, I'll come to you first to see how you're doing. But we're we're doing a mock draft. We're doing mock posit, as you mock so aptly named baby. it, 2.0. How are you doing?
2: Man, I'm doing awesome. Uh, love the concept that we have going on here we're just we're innovators over here at um, no ceilings nba at large draft deeper here today just coming at you with our creative and we're excited man because nathan i'm sure you're going to expound but the rules that we had last time we're going to be a little bit more relaxed on the prospects that we can pick from today so i'm excited to see how crazy it gets i'm excited to see who gets left off Like, that's what I'm looking forward to the most is like, who did we miss and how did we talk ourselves into it?
0: I have a strong feeling, Maxwell, that our mock draft exercise is going to be really different from what you would normally see by quote unquote media or big media, I should say Mm -hmm. standards. Right. I I think we're going to go a little bit off the cuff. As Steven said, we're opening it up. So last time we did this composite mock draft exercise, when we called it mock posit 1.0, we made 30 first-round picks, but we stuck to the top 30 guys on our composite big board, and that was that was a good way preseason for us to give the audience an idea of where we were on a top 30, while also not having the time to do a separate big board podcast this time around because we're not kicking it off right at the beginning of the season. We gave you guys, everyone out there listening, a big board episode, right, where we took you behind the scenes with draft deepers' composite big board 2.0. We gave you 60 prospects, so now. Coming into this round, Maxwell, I know you're excited because it's not just a pool of 30 guys we're going to be choosing from for the first round. Our whole top 60 is up for grabs. That means that you can draft whoever you want to be in the first round. That means Steven can draft Keyshawn Gilbert in the first round. I'm sure he's really excited to do that. But what what, what do you think, Maxwell? You ready to kick this off?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. Let's Let's get into it.
0: Okay, so number one overall pick. In this mock draft exercise. Now, if you did read the mock draft on nocillingsnba.com, which by the way, I'm, I'm sure that you did, we quite literally crashed the Substack website with how many people were <laughs> yes. coming to, to view that mock draft, as well as our big board the prior day. We released those on Wednesday and Tuesday, respectively. But for that mock draft exercise, we actually used the official order by the NBA standings this time around. You know how we do it on Draft Deeper, we like to hit the old tankathon sim. So, Last time we did this exercise, it was the Golden State Warriors who won the number one overall pick, which just it broke my brain. I had to take Victor Womanyama. I was upset about the fact that the Warriors would get a prospect of his caliber. So I didn't even ex- expound upon my selection that time. But in a little bit more, I guess I should use the word normalcy for a mock draft exercise, right? The Houston Rockets actually won the first overall pick. And this time around, it is not me selecting first overall. We're going to pass around the torch, if you will, on multiple different mock drafts that we're doing throughout the year. But this time, it's Steven's turn to make that number one overall pick. So, Steven, I'm, I'm sure you're going to hit us with a real stunner for the Houston Rockets to, to start the mock draft exercise. Who are you going with the number
2: one? Well, yeah, we, I'm going to throw out the obligatory. It's not a mock draft. If you don't see, you know, there's a number of different ways that I can go with this. So there's, you know, 60 different ways that I can go with my number one overall pick. And surprise, surprise, Victor Wembanyama, and I think that this is the uh, this is the type of team that we want to see Victor go to—a team that needs him, a team that could utilize him, um, a realistic outlook that we could have on the year. Right. So, you know, you're looking at the t- looking at this team, they're going to have over thirty million dollars in cap space. You know, relative to what we're looking on their books right now. You know, Mar- Boban Marjanovic going to be a free agent surprisingly that cleans up about 4 million dollars there's some partially guaranteed contracts to include Eric Gordon's almost 21 million dollars um you know Bruno Fernando things like that so they can bring in free agents on top of landing one of the like most sought after draft picks that we've had in quite some time so imagine having Jabari Smith Jr and Victor Wembanyama as your front court duo defensively and offensively both or defensive-minded stalwarts, both can you know open the floor. Victor can actually operate with the ball in his hand, so we could legit see some four or five pick and roll that we always talk about wanting to see, but we never get a chance to. Houston could actually implement that with some really good guards in Porter Jr. and Green as well. They don't get their point guard. They don't get the, the straw that stirs the drink, but they get an immediate star trans.
0: I think one of the cool things that would be able to happen from that is you were talking about some of the, the salary mechanics behind the scenes with that team, Stephen, is they would be able to bring in Victor Omanyama. Now you have a core you're starting to build of Jalen Green, Victor, as well as Jabari Smith. You can use some of that money in free agency to go get some complimentary pieces, some veterans that really bring out the best of all three of those guys to where you're starting to build a real winning situation in Houston. And maybe they're not setting the world on fire in that year, but maybe They're competitive enough. They're winning enough games. Maybe they get into the play Maybe they actually win a few play-in games. They make it to the eighth seed, being like the eighth seed in the playoffs, right? And maybe that's the point where one of these disgruntled superstars all of a sudden looks at your situation and they're like, man, if I came to Houston and I played with this guy and this guy and this guy, maybe, maybe possibly we could contend. In the western conference and so houston would have the assets they can package some of their younger players together future draft picks and they can go after one of those bigger fish in the sea so if that's trey
2: young who's just recently talking about not being happy in atlanta trey trey
0: young i think would make a lot of houston rockets fans happy i i agree i also threw out the orlando if, if i'm the orlando magic good god get on the phone with atlanta as soon as you can they probably wouldn't trade him within the division but I would still make the phone call because you talk about a a trio of Trey Young, Paolo Mancaro, and Franz Wagner. You would talk about competing in the Eastern Conference for years to come. Holy smokes. That would be really fun to see. Okay. Well, thank you for that pick, Stephen. So Victor Womanyama's first off the board. Maxwell, you actually have number two, and you Mm -hmm. are picking for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm sure you're going to. Really shocked the world possibly with you. Actually, you know what? Maybe, maybe you would. Yeah. Shock the world with your no, number two pick. So um, who, who are you going with?
1: I'm taking Scoot Henderson. And okay. I, I know that anytime there's going to, I feel like this still happens where like, a team will get a draft pick and there's one very obvious pick and people are like, but, but, but we have these guys. No, don't overthink it. It's <laughs> very simple. Like he's one of the highest upside prospects to come along in the last several years. You take him, you take Scoot Henderson with this pick. Shay can play off ball giddy can you know be a, a tertiary guy if need be like you can make it work um does he give you all the shooting that you want does he give you all the size that you want not necessarily but you take a, a prospect of this caliber when they're on the board period point blank you are nowhere close to contending you do not need to concern yourself with fit there are plenty of teams that would love to have josh giddy if you can't make it work you could get something for him um you know something else that that's a real concern at this point too for them. Like, are you sure you want to draft over Isaiah Joe? Um, <laughs> it's like half joking, half not that he's dude's on the heater. You no, um, no, no.
0: I believe the correct joke would have been so when we had our actual mock draft scenario by the standings for no NBA.com, we mm-hmm. got together we saw the Detroit Pistons at number two. We said, "Are you sure you really want to draft over Killian Hayes? Are yeah, you sure yeah, you yeah, really yeah. want to do that with Scoot Henderson?" That that's mm-hmm. the real joke, but yeah, so just
1: I just took yeah, J nine. You do. yeah so i you you take the best guy here you don't overthink it you take scoot and you roll with scoot shay chat when he gets back some of the pick and pop stuff they could do like it's it's filthy it's filthy to have two guys that could get into the paint the way that shay and scoot would be able to like it's ridiculous you just you do it
0: Exactly. And that's that's the whole point of this exercise for the majority of teams that we're choosing for. It's BPA, regardless of what happens, which, oh, by the way, BPA, regardless of positional fit, regardless of where the board falls, Charlotte Hornets are up for me at number three. And I'm going to go with my third overall player on my board because this team, this team is a dumpster fire. I thought they were the worst team in the NBA coming into the season by my eyes and by what I've seen. I still think that's the case. So they just need talent anywhere they can get it. And I think LaMelo Ball is going to still continue to develop into the type of point guard that we think he can be to where he will make anyone else around him better. It's only a matter of time. Soar Thompson is going to be my pick at, at third overall. And that's, listen, guys, I've been back and forth on the Thompson Twins. I've been back and forth on a lot of the top prospects that we can go through in the top 10, top 12 on our. Composite board, but a sore thompson for me possesses arguably the highest upside left, period, at this point of the draft 17.2 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, 5.2 assists, 2.8 steals, 1.4 blocks for the overtime elite city reapers, 52% from the field, 33% from three point range, 64% from the line. But I get it, and we talked about this with our big board podcast as well. He's playing in a league where it's it's mainly high school competition, he's not playing in college, he's not playing against grown men in the G League, but he and his brother and men, who I'm sure is going to come up pretty soon in this exercise, they've been at least dominating that league in the form and fashion that we would want them to dominate it. Oh, by the way, Asor is also showing off a much improved jump shot. He is showing off quite... Quite the level of scoring chops that I would want to see from him. He's been a much better playmaker and defender than I think I would have projected him to be at the beginning of the year. And as we talked about on the big board podcast, the only statistical category that a man's leading him in right now is two point percentage. That's it. Yet a source still shooting 51.8% for the field. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to go get the wing score, the elite athletic wing scorer who should be able to fill any offensive role that the Hornets are looking for him right out of the gate and just give them one of the better building blocks at this point of the draft at number three. So I'm going to take Asor Thompson. That would leave Stephen back on the clock. The Washington Wizards are now fourth overall in our mock draft scenario. So Victor Scoot and Asor are all off the board for you, Stephen. Where are you going at number four?
2: Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about a team who we constantly hear being ridiculed by picking ninth overall year after year. They don't take swings on players that have star upside. You know, they're they're perfectly happy being this middling team. As long as they're in the playoff mix, you know, they're not going to tank. And seeing them with the fourth pick and looking at the the players that have been taken, I had a thought coming into the draft that I'm going to deviate from, Nathan, because at the end of the day, now that the pressure is on me, as <laughs> as opposed to what it was earlier, I'm gonna go I'm gonna default to BPA, man. I'm gonna go Cam Whitmore. I was really entertaining a okay. men for the rim pressure that I feel like he would need, or that that this team does need. And Cam does give you a lot of duplicity for the, the positions that are on this team already. But I think the combination that he gives you, being able to play the three and the floor and the four, very explosive. I feel like his athleticism, it might be a step down from a man, but I don't think that. They are like worlds ahead of Cam Whitmore um, at his healthiest, at his best athletically. I feel like, you know, the combination of power and grace that he possesses, his defensive acumen, I feel like is really strong as well. And he just he has the size and the frame and the upside at his position that are typically the best players in the NBA at large. Right. So you can look at Amen and you could and you could draft him here. And I would totally get it. And I would totally understand. But the the star upside of a wing player in the NBA is what everyone is chasing after. I honestly feel like you have one here in Cam Whitmore. And for the Washington Wizards, you have to take that chance. So I'm going to go with Cam Whitmore here.
0: And one of their combo forwards, Denny Avia, who I think we all like on this podcast, that he's been a defensive first forward at this point in his career. He hasn't quite brought the offense that some of us thought he was going to be bringing over to the NBA. There are other... Combo four position player who has actually been pretty outstanding in Washington. Kyle Kuzma. We don't know what his future is going to be there. For the doesn't Rangers. want to so be there. <laughs> it's it, it, it's pretty clear, at least from what's been circulating through the media, is that he probably doesn't want to be there. And if Washington can look to get somebody at that spot high up in the draft who also has the type of upside that Steven outlined, I do think that would be a great pick for them to make. And and he is one of our better bpa options at this point so i think steven made a good pick with cam whitmore maxwell that leaves you up at number five Mm -hmm. you're drafting for the detroit pistons and yeah there's there's a number of directions you can go i'm curious where you are going to go with this pick
1: i yeah i'm not going to break my tiers that i have personally and i'm going to take Amen thompson um i do think this is a fit where it's like i'm not so sure about this but i'm taking him because i think he's the best guy and i think there is a real significant drop off after this point that like there's some points where i'm going to go a little higher or lower on my board i can't justify it here i think the ceiling with Amen is is too great um he's just too dynamic gets in the paint too well too creative like there's a world where this really breaks right with him cade and ivy and uh, Duran and like even like Beef Stew, like turn into like a real, a real spacer from the three point line these days now, too. Um, I do think there's also a world where this breaks really wrong. If like mm. Jaden Ivey doesn't ever get the shot going again, if, if he, if a man doesn't get the shot going, if Kate isn't healthy, like there's a real scary like path here. And I think that, you know, the Pistons are not a great shooting team. They're like 20th in the league in three point percentage and I believe they're 18th in three point attempts um if Bogdanovich is traded at some point like that really looks a lot uglier than it does now uh so I do worry about the fit but not enough to pass on a talent like Ahmed Thompson um I just think defensively he's going to be unbelievable I think he's gonna find ways to get into paint and it's six seven like as he gets bigger and fills out I think that even if the shot isn't what we hope it could be I think like I think really at this point, we're just hoping it's average. Like if you could just yeah. become like a near league average three point shooter, that's all he needs to be. If he can hit you wide open Jimmy Butler touch, level. Yeah. Yeah. Buster, just get people yeah. to play up on him. That's all he needs. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's like the hope. But if that doesn't happen it, with this roster, it's a little messy.
2: And this is what's crazy about this too, is like drafts break like this all the time to where these, you, your front offices are put in a conundrum where they got to be like, yeah, this guy's like really talented, but holy crap, we're really going to have to like look at how we prioritize rotations and playing, Mm -hmm. playing time, things like that.
0: So if I were making the pick for the Pistons instead of backs one, I would have put a word on my little cheat sheet where I have my pick set up and what, what do the Pistons need? It would have just been defense in bold letters Mm -hmm. because Cade Cunningham, while I still believe in his defensive upside, he, he hasn't been there yet now He's out for the year. He's going to be coming back at some point in the middle of next season from the injury that he just suffered. So in terms of development, defense-wise, he's probably not going to be there right away. Jay Nivey has been atrocious as a guard defender so far in the NBA, although all the fun and spectacular things he does on the offensive side of the ball, the defense hasn't been there. I wouldn't call Boyan Bogdanovich or Sadiq Bey or any of these other forwards that they're really employing like really solid above average defenders. So when you're talking about getting a guy who can disrupt passing lanes and make plays on the ball on that side, like a man can, I think you go get that guy 10 times out of 10. And offensively, the shooting is the biggest concern, Maxwell, but there's still ways to make it work, right? Mm -hmm. If you utilize him off the ball in ways like Shaden Sharp's being utilized for the Portland Trailblazers or Jalen Green's been utilized as a cutter along the baseline in Houston, like there are actions and ways to get him involved, run some DHOs to get him the ball going downhill. There are ways to get him involved offensively to where you're not just looking at him as a standstill perimeter shooter. And if Cade does take steps forward as a catch and shoot guy, if Jay Nivey still continues to get more comfortable on those spot up looks and you have the other floor spacers like Bay, O'Donovich, Isaiah Stewart, if he has the three ball going, there are ways to utilize a man on both sides of the ball. And oh, by the way, the pick and roll combination between Jane Ivey and Jalen Durham we're talking about this year, you can see the same level of efficiency out of a pick and roll combination with the men, too. So I agree with you. You you, you take the pick 10 times out of 10 at this point. All right. I'm back up. The San Antonio Spurs, number six overall. Obviously, we're looking for best player available, but position wise, this team could use another lead guard and they could use another forward slash center to continue to bring some defensive versatility. because. Jakob Pearl is a drop coverage big. He's, he's really good at doing it, but we don't know how long he's going to be in San Antonio. They could possibly even flip him yeah. before the deadline this year. We, we don't know what's going to happen. So I'm going to go off script a little bit. I'm going to take Jairus Walker here at number Ooh. six. I think, all, right. all right. I think he'd be a really, really nasty fit in San Antonio, man. So every NBA team nowadays, Stephen hit on the first thing. They're looking for really versatile perimeter-oriented wings but they're also looking for these switchable bigs who can guard multiple positions and give you that defensive versatility. Now you'd have Jairus Walker and Jeremy Sohan out there as your front court of the future. You want to Mm -hmm. talk about the ability to move the ball and pass it on offense and the ability to switch everything that would come in front of them on the defensive end while also still having Kelvin Johnson and Devin Vassell as your wing players. So yes, they still need that lead guard, but it makes the rest of the roster at least gearing towards the long-term future, really come into better clarity, in my opinion, if they went and took a player like Jairus Walker. There are a few other arguments you could make who I'm sure are going to be selected fairly soon in this mock exercise. You could go with a Brandon Miller or a Nick Smith or an Anthony Black, but to me, I'm just going 100% upside pick and I'm going with Jairus Walker at number six. Steven, you you looked really shocked yeah. that, I made, that I made that pick. Any, any thoughts you'd like to add?
2: Yeah, um I, I have know, him like, so
0: speechless, he doesn't even want to give me a reaction at this point of the podcast. I
2: was expecting Bryce Sensiball to to be the pick here <laughs> for you, but um in all seriousness, like the Spurs, if they make this pick, they're just saying to hell the floor spacing, right? Because like that's yeah. the one, that's the one thing that Jairus has question marks about. Like Jeremy Sohan is out there shooting free throws one-handed now. Um, to try to get his touch. I o
0: I understand Walker's only shooting one and a half threes per game, but he is making them at a forty percent clip so far. So let's not mm-hmm. say that we're just one hundred percent throwing it out. I I agree.
2: He's got collectively,
1: collectively sure. for the Spurs. Okay. It's, yeah, it's it's him. Like Keldon, obviously, he's like really cranked it up this year. But like with him and Suhan, that's two guys that like. Yeah, um, really I mean, Brett defensively, Christian. I love it. Like I love lead the
2: defense. pass watchability, I love it. Like funk, I love some funk. Like I love that. I just it wasn't the route that I was expecting you to go because the, there are like glaring needs on this team, and I thought floor spacing and and lead guard would be like the way that you would go. I even did like a little predicted out, like mock. See, so, I, yeah, I, I told you go. I was
0: going to surprise you, Steve. So and, here's
1: here's my question. Um. Sure. Is part of the logic here that it's maybe like harder to find a big like Jairus than it is like a guard who that's will, a good point on their hands because I, I think that like that's part of it, and I also think that with Jairus and Suhan together, you were almost like with the amount of passing you're getting from those two guys, yeah. you're yep. sort of lowering the bar for what's needed from that lead guard.
0: Exactly, like you so were making it, it, o- it, opens it up, Right, like all of a sudden, to. maybe you maybe instead of looking for your quote unquote traditional point guard. Maybe you start looking at a guy in the mold of like a Jordan Poole, I'm not saying that Jordan Poole would be the name that like they go get. He just signed an extension with the Warriors, but like a guard like that, who isn't looked as as your typical high level multi-level pick and roll playmaker, maybe they look for a different type of player, a guard who can just give them more offense as opposed to needing to make all of these advanced reads in the half court, right? Because they have multiple guys in, you know, Jarrus Walker has proven that he can do that. Jeremy Sohan, we've seen him play point Sohan, both at Baylor and I was getting yeah. time doing that with the Spurs. Kelvin Johnson's become a better passer. Devin Vassell has shown some really impressive passing chops. I don't know if um, anybody has, has flipped on a, a Spurs game lately, but he's been a really good passer from the wing. So it's that Maxwell. And it's also the fact that Trey Jones is still Yeah, Uh, With the Spurs, I I think he's going to be a restricted free agent after this offseason. I'm assuming they pick up an option on
2: Uh, Yeah, he'll be a restricted free agent. Yeah, but I'm
0: assuming they pick up an option on it. But uh, either way you slice it offensively. But then defensively, Maxwell, defense wins championships. And I think this is just one of those moves. You you, you make the move on the chessboard. Maybe it's not the sexiest short-term move. But long-term, whenever this team does get in picture to contend, you're building around a defense that can allow you to do so. So that's and, that's
1: my thinking.
2: And whoever you're taking here isn't gonna get you in the playoffs tomorrow, you know. At, exactly. At on yeah, this you get team, another so. bite at the
1: lottery apple next year if you're taking Jairus here. No offense to Jairus, but and I mean, you're, oh by you're the really way, setting next up your year... team to just have like no guard play again, so you'll probably no, be back. It, it's like the Raptors and the Magic true. had a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Not that, not that we're a 2024 NBA draft show right now, but mm. if you take a look at the top prospects in next year's draft, there's, there's quite a few point guards. So I'm really curious yeah. to see where the future breaks out for the Spurs, but I like what we're doing right here. Okay, Steven, you're up number seven yeah. overall. Actually, we have back-to-back picks right here for the Atlanta Magic. You're making the first one. The second one's going to come via the Chicago Bulls which is a top protected pick, but it's not, it's not, not right now, the Orlando magic get it. So what are you going to be doing with number seven
2: overall? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Maxwell, you and I we have some team building that we get to do here together. So this is pretty cool. Um looking at their sheet right now. Terrence Ross is coming off the books at about 11 and a half mil. They're still going to be slightly under the cap or slightly above the cap, but they can trade that away. Like there's some creative things that they can do in the offseason. But draft-wise, everyone says that this team needs guards, right? Like they're too tall. They have all these things. They need someone to go in there and be an organizer on the offense. And at either pick seven or eight, it doesn't matter if we pick one or not. Maxwell, I know that you don't like this guy here. Oh, no. I'm going to take Keontae George here. One, it's going to start happening with the Nick Smith. Like, he he was delayed coming into the year due to injury, and now he's out for the foreseeable future. We don't know if the injury that he sustained has a timeline that would allow him to come back in the year or if he's just saying to heck with it. Like, I've showed enough. People are still buzzing about me. People still love me. Let me hold on to what draft stock I have now, get some evaluation. And then I can either declare potentially come back. We don't know. But with with that being said about Nick, Keontae, I feel like is he's at least on the level of a Nick Smith Jr. He's at least as good in my opinion, right? And right now what we're sho- what he's showing at Baylor is that he can organize an offense, that he is a good passer, and that he plays really good defense. The Magic need really good point of attack defense, and they need someone who can organize the offense. He showed before college that he can be a capable scorer. It's just that I don't feel like at Baylor there's anybody, there's no one else who is as good as what he does right now at his age. If that makes sense, like I, I think that what he's showing at this age has already surpassed what we thought that he could be as a playmaker. So he's already shown like a, sub, a significant improvement as a passer already. Right? We know that he has a scoring acumen. It's just that I don't think that Baylor is utilizing it to the level that it should be. And he's defending his tail off. I think that the magic really need a player like that. Um, there are other players at that same position I feel like you could go with and that I would understand. You might still draft one of them, Maxwell. We'll see. But um, I like I like Keontae George to the magic. I really think that he is like at the level of being worthy of pick here.
1: Yeah, I'm just not like not seeing it with Keontae. To the I understand. To the rest too. <laughs> no ceilings. And like the rest of the draft community like I've seen people yeah. like as high as four and like look, he can obviously really shoot the ball and he can hit some like unbelievably tough shots. Like every yeah. shot that he takes has a chance. Um, I think the playmaking consistency is like way behind where it's made out to be. He throws some adventurous passes. I will say that end up being turnovers that he shouldn't. I think that when he's in the NBA, the separation stuff is going to look a little bit worse on ball again. I think he has a hard time gaining separation coming off of actions off the ball. And I think that's going to get a little bit harder in the NBA. I'm not crazy about his wiggle. Um, I th- once he's on a guy's hip defensively as well, like he cannot recover. He's just toast. Um, I-, I think Keontae George is a guy who plays in the NBA for a long time and I think he's a good NBA player I just do not see this type of outcome yet and I think some of those passing tendencies that he has shown for a team that is really struggling with playmaking I'm not wild about it I love the floor spacing element that he adds for sure I don't think he's ever like I don't know I the the playmaking stuff
2: I I I just don't see it yet but do you not feel it. like it's good enough considering like what we just talked about with San Antonio alluding to the magic, like with Franz, with Paulo, with the other playmakers on this team that has a secondary, like partially primary, but even yeah, secondary third playmaker, like weak side, like as the defense is collapsing around Paulo's bully ball or yeah, around France, you're, like getting to really spot. counting
1: on like Paulo to be that guy. And I think you can. Like, I, I I don't think that's, like, a bad...
0: I think Paolo and Franz just, are both both those guys. They've, yeah, they've like, I think those guys are both really Orlando. good.
1: I, I just like somebody a little bit more steady. And I feel like Nick Smith is a little bit more steady as before that guard. Maxwell, and he gives him more floor spacing.
0: Before Maxwell makes his pick at number eight, I, I'm not as high on Keontae George either. But the one thing I will say in Steven's defense for making the pick, I think... Maybe we're underrating how much of a floor raiser Keontae George could be for a team because of what we're seeing from Baylor this year. Like him in the second half of games, he's had to be the savior for Baylor. First of all, I mm-hmm. didn't think Baylor was gonna be this bad if- of a team. Second of all, oh, imagine yeah. what the Bears the- would be without Keontae George.
1: Well yeah. Uh-huh. And it's one of those things where like, the forward center minutes are such a mess that it's like you can't really look at the assist numbers. Like you have to look at like the turnover numbers are like the things that concern me. Sure. But like it's gonna be really hard to get like a good Read on what his assist numbers probably could and should be because, like, there are some nice interior finds that just don't really get paid off there,
0: exactly. So, Maxwell, Steven went with Keontae and number eight. So, I mean, at number seven, excuse me, you mm-hmm. have number eight. So, now it's yeah, to see how else you're going to help the Orlando Magic with the second of back to back
1: picks, yeah. So, like I said, like, the two big things I'm looking for are more playmaking and more shooting. I know where you're um, going. I, i'm doing it i'm yeah. gonna do it uh this is gonna be my questionable pick everyone's gonna be on twitter is gonna be very mad at me for being like anti Keontae george and then for taking jet howard with yeah, the number knew, eight overall pick pick for the orlando magic jet howard number eight on my board as well uh he is a better fit here than than anthony black though who i do have ahead of him um i think you could make the ab argument real easy just because like the defense the playmaking like he helps in a lot of areas. Um, I think Jet is like a the realest of deals as a scorer and playmaker. He's six foot eight, he can put the ball on the floor, he is phenomenal when chased off the line, shooting over sixty percent on twos, over forty percent on threes, sublime assist to turnover ratio, doesn't make mistakes, budding floor vision, and like all these improvements have happened really fast. He grew four inches in the last year and a half or so. Um it's it's all just really coming together. Uh, the on-ball defense is very good. I like how he can can slide with guys and stay with guys and how quickly he gets off the floor to contest and block shots. Uh, the off-ball stuff we've talked about quite a bit in the No Slinger Jet. Like, the off-ball defense of him can be really bad. Um, But I thought it looked quite a bit better in the UNC game. Uh, it seems like he's already putting in the work and making it He was it up great. It smooth. was
0: great last night on both Yeah. Yeah, like, he was,
1: he was really good. Like, in that game was enough to be, like, I – I said in the, the no-selling group chat today, I'd, I'd put him as high as six. Like, I could talk myself yeah. into him at six. Um, I, I just love Jet Howard, and I think he's a perfect fit with these guys. He's just going to give him more sp- spacing, another playmaker. And at this point, like, if you buy Keontae as a playmaker, and then you've got plus passing from Jet Howard, you've got plus passing from Franz, plus passing from Paolo, Like, you were just building a monster lineup of dudes with size that can pass the ball. Like, I... I love this fit so much, and I love Jet Howard. Jet howards he's the best.
0: So it would be really interesting to see who would be the starting shooting guard between both of those guys, because I actually feel like it might be Jet Howard, and I think Keontae's role, if this were to happen, might eventually be him acting as the de facto point guard in lineups where you have both of those big initiators out there, you have Jet out there, and then you would have somebody like a Wendell Carter who can also handle and pass the ball a little bit out of certain actions, run some of those DHOs and some of those short roll pick and roll sets with a guard like a Keontae or one of the bigs like Powell or Franz. I think that would possibly be the setup if you took both of those players together. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Maxwell. I'm much higher on Chet Howard today than I was even a week or a week and a half ago. He's really climbing up a lot of people's boards. A lot of, a lot of evaluators are mentioning him as one of the highest risers that we have throughout this entire process so far. So. It does not surprise me at all that you went with, I guess, the biggest reach by our composite board standards so far. We had him number 14 in our composite ranking coming into this. You took him in number eight, so a six-spot reach, although I don't feel like it's much of a reach at this point in the draft given just where everything's breaking. So I thought good, good overall two picks by both of you fine lads. Now it's my turn, number nine. The Toronto Raptors. So this is where we would take Brandon Miller. I thought Brandon Miller might have went to the Magic with either of those two picks, but both of these guys went a different direction. So that leaves Brandon Miller to slide to the Toronto Raptors. And this is another team. We don't know what this team's going to look like by the time we get to the 2023 NBA Draft coming into June they could very well blow it up before this trade deadline, right? Pascal Siakam could possibly be on the move. OG Ananobi could be on the move. Fred Van Vleet, any one or all of those players could be traded depending on what direction Masai Ujiri wants to take this team. And if they blow it up in any respect, you know Masai's is going to be like, who is the wing forward I can take with the highest upside? Who can also compliment Scotty Barnes and what he does as a playmaker and a ball handler Brandon Miller, we're looking at him to do a number of things, but making plays for others isn't quite at the top of the list. He just needs to be a floor spacer and a defender right now, and that's exactly what he would be alongside some of those players that they have in Toronto. So I would take Brandon Miller at number nine, which leaves Steven back up. The New Orleans Pelicans, as Tyler Rucker likes to hear, via the Los Angeles Lakers because of that (laughs) little pick swap that they have going on. You're up at number 10 with the Pelicans. Who are you taking?
2: Yeah. So again, I had preconceived notions of where I thought that this draft was going to break. I wasn't expecting this guy to still be here. And um, I'm just going to take it now because it makes a heck of a lot of sense. I'm going to take Nick Smith jr. Um, to be the CJ McCollum era parent and uh, be a floor spacing point of attack, defensive minded um guard who can play make, but there are a number of other players on this team that can definitely uh take the the ball handling responsibilities, especially at their positions, and he can space the floor for them and just be an on-ball pest. I just I love the fit. He plays he plays like how you would want a guard on New Orleans to play. You know, floor spacing, um ball handling, not afraid to cut. He you don't got to worry about him trying to get some rebounds away from you know, Valentinus or anything like that. Not very interested in mixing it up on the glass, but can spread the floor, can move the rock in, you know, and, and it's just, it opens the floor up for point Zion, which is what new Orleans is obviously continuing to look to build around. So not much more explanation needs to be, to be had in my opinion. So
0: I think had the news not broken today about the indefinite knee load management with Nick Smith. Yeah. I would have been much more comfortable taking him at number six with mm-hmm. the San Antonio Spurs. But given that news... That's where
2: I had him positioned, yeah.
0: I, I still think he's going to go top 10 in the real draft. He he might fall and there might be some buzz to, is he going to go top 15, maybe top 20, possibly all the way down to top 25? Like he could take a dramatic fall depending on some of the medical buzz that comes out in the community. But I still think when all is said and done, I think he's still going to go top 10. Like An NBA team's going to buy into that combination of size for a guard at six foot five with his pull up shooting ability, with his off ball scoring ability, and then what he could grow into still as an on ball pick and roll operator. There's just so much to like with Nick Smith's yeah. game, and really the off ball equity to me that he was able to display. Maybe I'll write about this soon for No Ceilings, who knows? But that, that off ball ability that he was able to show at Arkansas playing alongside somebody like Anthony Black. That really yep. brought me up on, on his draft prospects. So Nick Smith, number 10 to the Pelicans. Maxwell is back on the clock, number 11, with the Indiana Pacers. Now, this was, in our no ceilings box, this was Jed Howard's spot, which I mm, freaking yep. love that fit when we all yeah, picked it. Are you going to make me love your pick as much as that one? at number I, 11 here, where are you I going? hope
1: so. Uh, I know the Pacers kind of want more size. Like they play a lot of really small lineups. Like they're playing four guards at different times together. So I know that's not the direction they want to go. But based on tier, I think I got to go with my guy, Anthony Black, with this pick right here. Okay. Um, I think that he does help them, even if like, they're, look, this scene has a ton of guards. You've got Halliburton, Matherin kind of, you know, might be more of a two than a three at this point. Uh, you've got Buddy Heald. You've got Chris Duarte, who's sort of like a guard wing. You've got Neesmith playing the four in some lineups. You've got Andrew Nemar. You've got TJ McConnell. Yeah. Like, There's a million like guard-type guys. But I think Anthony Black can work here. Because I think as he gets older and bigger, I think he's going to fill out frame-wise pretty well. Um, but he also just gives you a different change of pace. Like the idea of yes. the deliberate, methodical pace of a Tyrese Halliburton contrasted with the grab-and-go frenetic pace that Anthony Black can play with is just a really dangerous dynamic uh this is also a team that like if the big concern with Anthony Black is that he's not a great shooter um but Indiana is a team that takes and makes a lot of threes so and like and that's like they're young guys too like Matherin is still going to be there he's still going to shoot a lot of threes even if Buddy Heald leaves same for Halliburton same for Duarte same for Nemhard. like they've got guys that are taking threes to high clip that are part of that young core that if you have Anthony black and like, it's just not his bag out of the gate. Like that's going to be fine. Uh, He's going to add a real kind of defensive nastiness to. He'll be able to take some of those tougher assignments. I wish he stayed in front of guys better, but um, his hands are exceptional. Like he's like the best hands of, of almost any defender in this class. Um, And I think that, yeah, once he just focuses on playing with a little more discipline on that side, he'll be great, but I love what he does for the spacers team.
0: You know, Anthony Black's an interesting player, Maxwell, because once upon a time you were fighting so hard against buying into his jump shot. And the man's shooting 39%. Yeah. He takes him 80%. every
1: time he's open. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: He's taking him with confidence. He's stepping in and he's making them. And I do love the change of pace, the change of speeds, the, his ability to mix it up around the basket. I love all those things and the passing, the defensive tenacity. Yeah, Anthony Black is a great lottery pick for any of these teams, but especially to a Pacers team who's looking to build a lineup where no matter who they have, they're constantly moving the ball, getting out in transition, doing a bunch of different things offensively. Anthony Black allows you to do all those same things at a higher level. So I do really like that pick at number 11. I'm up number 12, the Golden State Warriors. Boys, I'm torn. I'm very torn with what to do with this pick. I know, what my, your heart. I know what my heart wants to do. I know what my mind wants me to do, and I think I'm going to go with my mind. I'm going to take Max Lewis here at number 12 with the Golden State Warriors because this team just does not have upside on the wing at this point. Like They they don't have a real three to hang their hat on for the future. Even in the short term, it's still looking a little murky. They, They have enough guards. My heart was telling me to take case and balls because, boy, does this team need freaking defense. This team really just needs defense at the highest order from anyone, right? And they don't really have anybody in the backcourt either who can hold it down defensively, maybe even switch up to some threes. But I don't think Maxwell Lewis is a poor defender. I think he's on his way to being a good defender. We know what he brings from an offensive perspective. The dude has one of the craziest slash lines in all of college basketball, right? His player efficiency rating, his true shooting. All of his statistics are tremendous while still having some room to grow to be not only an off-ball offensive threat, but I I think there's going to be some on-ball stuff eventually for him to tap into. Uh, Maxwell's brought up multiple times about Max Lewis's developmental track, how he hasn't had some of the same opportunities as some other players because of injuries that he suffered coming into college, right? It delayed some of his development. Now he's getting more opportunities at Pepperdine. And I really think he's making the most of some of those opportunities. So Max Lewis, number 12, California guy going to the Golden State Warriors. I think they'd really love to have him in the mix. Steven, you're up 13th overall, the New York Knicks via the Dallas Mavericks. This man is staring intently at his board right now, wondering what the hell is he going to do to make New York Knicks fans happy?
2: That's like the million-dollar question, man, because it's weird. You always feel like you have to say that the Knicks need so much, but then you look at the streak that they were just on, And then you look at how Jalen Brunson is playing. And then you look at, you know, how much faith that they're putting in Quentin Grimes. And then you look at, you know, how much they're bought into RJ Barrett. And then you want, you know, then you watch how Randall is coming back and, oh, Mitchell Robinson, all of a sudden, like, is playing really good basketball. The Knicks are a
0: competent basketball team right now. It's amazing.
2: And it's scary. And they have like, you know, Obi Toppin at the four. They got, they got depth, right? Like, It's weird to say they got depth like they're even wanting to trade away some of this depth for assets now. So just looking at how this team is built, man, like I feel like they don't want any projects, you know what I mean? Like they don't want anybody that they have to like kind of usher along like they haven't been great. With the the talent development, you know, as as far as like Obi Toppin or even bringing in Cam Reddish for Atlanta, even though they gave up a first round asset, like can I can I
0: interject really quickly on that one comment when you say that I want any projects? That's the same reason why I didn't take Gigi Jackson with the Golden State Warriors either, because they kind of have a few projects in tow right now with James Wiseman being the biggest one. Kuminga, they're still trying to bring him along in certain respects. They have Pat Baldwin down in the G League. Like, I think they have enough of those guys. And to your point, Stephen. The pressure in New York, I don't think they want to take on a guy like Gigi Jackson right now either. Although his talent, Gigi's talent would have warned us, warned us taking him a few spots even ahead of where we are right now. But it's, we just don't know enough right now about what his development needs to look like. And you need to have a plan with a prospect like that, right? You need to be committed to developing him the right way. Yeah, I don't think New York would be patient for a guy like him.
2: And then you look at the, the Kentucky point guard connection, and then you're like, oh, crap, you know, they got Jalen Brunson, and they're giving Deuce McBride real minutes, and they still have Emmanuel quickly. So, like, what does a case in Wallace really give this team right now? So, to me, when I'm looking at the build of this roster, how they're playing, what I think that they need, and what they're not interested in, it's not a reach according to me, but I know that there's some people at no ceilings that aren't going to like this. I'm going to give them Chris Murray. I think that Chris Ooh. Murray, I think Chris Murray fits this team really well. If you look at what they need, they need defense on the perimeter and they need floor spacing on the perimeter, like to continue to open up this team. And Chris Murray gives that to you in spades. Like you're drafting a guy For shooting. There. I don't
0: know about the defense, but
2: I th- I think the defense is there. I think, I think that is. It. I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's good. I don't think it's a great, I think, but I think it's yeah. I yeah, I'm with Stephen. It's a, he, he plays solid, competent defense and he is the team's engine, right? So like, if you scale his roll down, I feel like it's really going to be there. So I, based on what we're seeing from him and what the Knicks need, again, this is not like BPA on my board right now. I have him at like 17th through 19th, somewhere in that on, on my board. So I don't feel like I'm digging in my bag too much here, but based on what the Knicks need and listen Chris Murray is not a bad basketball player either no like he gives this team much needed floor spacing he gives them size too and and versatility like still he can still offer you modernization to your to your lineup with roster construction you know and, and, ro- and rotations things like that and again defensively rebounding shooting um smart playmaker as well like if for a scaled down role as a ro- like as a high-end like low-grade starter high-end role player I feel like getting that type of player at 13 is still a really good pickup for the Knicks
0: to anybody that Steven just pissed off. They decided to turn off the podcast. Thank you for listening to draft deeper on the NBA podcast. uh (laughs) Nate
1: was getting told that Max Lewis is is too low stealing the other day. So I I think the Chris Murray pick is going to really upset some people. I don't blame them, but at the same time, I see where Steven's going. with. I do. And yeah. And I think that in, Ten years, and you look back at this. Are there going to be 14 players better than Chris Murray? Like, maybe not. We so, don't know. Like, yeah, we don't. know. Yeah, I, I, I think that. It's I'm a sorry, specific. I didn't
2: draft a, you know, a freshman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I,
1: think... I. Yeah, I, I would have gambled. I think. Uh, but I, well, I, I, I do what the going. Knicks
2: would want. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like Grady Dick? Does he play defense? No. So he's not playing for Tom Thibodeau. You know? Yeah, what I mean? that, Yeah. Yeah. He
1: played Kyle Corver. He might play great <laughs> um, I th- I think
0: I think case Wallace was was the pick. That's who I would have went with. But
2: they got a lot of guard depth. Well, hey, dude, K- I,
1: uh, on that topic though, case Wallace is is my pick at number fifteen for the Utah Jazz. Fourteen. Um, you're up.
0: You're up at fourteen.
1: 14. Oh, is that what I am? Fourteen.
0: It- either way, that makes Kaysen Wallace Oh yeah, it's fourteen.
1: Pick. My bad. Whatever. I'm taking Casey Wallace. The bottom line is Kason <laughs> Wallace is now on the Utah Jazz. Um, there's like some weird stuff to his game. Like the fact that like his pick and roll numbers, are like grayed out kind of poorly and stuff like that. I don't know how much that's on him. I think this Kentucky team is very bad in the half court. And I do not think it is case Wallace's fault. Um, and as part of my logic and reasoning, I will point to uh, his teammates in the Kentucky track record of their half court offense over the past several seasons. Uh I think that he's a really good playmaker. He's ahead of where I thought he was going to be athletically Uh, from a first step standpoint, the way that his strength is scaled up. He's obviously a special defender. Like that's the one thing that just jumps off the film. He's a guy who's going to guard people the entire length of the court. Um, I thought like early on in games too, like it was like, Oh, is he like steel hunting a little too much gotten away from that? Doesn't do that anymore. Covers an obscene amount of ground when he has to like close out, rotate, scramble. Like, he moves like he is so much bigger than he is uh yeah he's he's a good player who is gonna limit his mistakes get to the basket finish their really good shooter off the catch uh the shot off the dribble you know obviously that has to come along but depending on what Utah does with their current roster he might not need to do a ton of that out of the gate but he's also going to be a culture setter this is a guy where like, I think the ceiling is still pretty high given like how he gets to the rim, how he passes, how he thinks the game. Um, but also like, he's just a, a lunatic. Like he, he's going to play really hard. He's going to work hard in practice and they're going to like that. You've got plenty of draft picks coming down the pipeline courtesy of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And mm-hmm. yeah, you, you get your, uh, your sort of semi rebuild going with a guy like case Wallace who can, you know, has, have some really high level outcomes. But I think one of the safest floor players in this draft, given, how he defends, how he plays so much bigger than he is, and how he shoots off the catch.
0: And and I I think Danny Ainge would have a lot of the same thoughts in in making that pick for the Jazz right here as well. So Kaysen Wallace, to me, would be a good selection at 14. I'm up for the Atlanta Hawks, a team. Boy, we don't know what the hell's going to happen with the Atlanta Hawks, do we? Right? Like we? So we already kind of thought that maybe by the trade deadline, John Collins would be out the door, possibly. Now... Is, is the centerpiece of the team probably, possibly forcing his way out within the next year or two? Like now all of a sudden we have to entertain those thoughts. So depending on where we are by the time of June, at least from, from the lens we're able to look through right now, either they maybe want to gamble on the highest upside player left, or they're just going to flat out have the time to be able to develop somebody because they're possibly blowing up the whole damn thing. So give me Gigi Jackson. I think this is where this is where we take him. This is where the the fall stops, right? The bleeding stops for the talent that he is because he can do so many unique things for his size on offense. And I understand it's not perfect. I understand everybody wants to see better passing chops from him, although I don't think the passing's been bad. I just think it's 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 not something that he should be asked to do right now. Like just because he's the number one option on a really bad college team doesn't mean he should have to do everything for them at the age of seventeen. So I, I think everybody needs to calm down about Gigi in that regard. But still, an, an athletic, big-bodied, six-foot-nine perimeter shot creator who could also get downhill, get to the basket, who can be a lob threat, a pick-and-roll guy. There are so many different things that Gigi has the ability to do. There just needs to be the right developmental plan in place, as I just got done talking about like five, 10 minutes ago on this podcast, right? And Atlanta would definitely have to have a plan. But if you look at it from an upside standpoint, from a positional perspective, if John Collins is out the door, are we sure Jalen Johnson is the answer? Like once upon a time, I really liked him as a prospect. And yeah, he's sense. he's shown a few good things. For Atlanta, he filled in and was a starting four man due to some injuries of, of recent, along with A.J. Griffin. They were both playing those three, four spots. But I don't know if he has the same upside that G.G. Jackson does, given that the jump shot just still seems to be a, a big question mark for Jalen Johnson right now. So this is where I will take G.G. The Atlanta Hawks will make the upside swing at this point in the mock draft. Okay, Steven, you're up. Number sixteen, the Miami Heat. You do get the draft for a fun team. Talk about Heat culture. Yeah. Don't 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 mess this pick up for Heat fans. Kevin Black will will come after you if you mess this pick up. Where are you going?
2: Yeah. Um, I, you were talking about free fall and kind of someone that you might have to work on. Dariq Whitehead still available. Yeah. Yep. And 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 mm-hmm. I think that this is right a pick. that is this is yep. a. This is a great move for Miami, in my opinion, because Derek is coming in off of injury, and we saw what happened last year. This was like a thought that a lot of us had right, and we're starting to see it like come out mainstream is that Duke had the same thing happen with a j Griffin highly touted prospect, was largely considered to be a top five guy dealing with injury, played well, and people still had injury concerns. Derek isn't getting that same level of production as as early on in the season as we were getting from AJ and he's playing his way back in off of a lower lower body injury. Everyone knows how I feel about this. I don't think that you can even adequately assess like when a player is back from an injury, especially a lower body one um, within Not if, this for quickly, about two no. years. Yeah. Two years. Right. So I think Dariq Whitehead coming in off this team, one it gives Miami a, a really true wing size player that can do a little bit of everything on the offensive end defensively prior to coming to college looked competent. I just think that is an upside swing for Miami that you, you just want to bet on a prospect like this, who once upon a time was considered like a top five, top seven consensus prospect.
0: No, that's, that's the right way to think about it. And for, for the heat, I mean, talk about making an upside play, right? Like they, they are a team who's still trying to find themselves a little bit in the East, but eventually They're going to need to find some real answers on the wing next to Jimmy Butler. Tyler hero is obviously a guard. He's not a wing. You have Jimmy Butler, but then who else are you really trying out there at all times for the Miami heat? They could really use an upside player like to Whitehead out on the wing to provide some floor spacing and hopefully more impact down the road than what we've seen so far at Duke. So I I agree, Steven great pick Maxwell. You're picking again for the mm-hmm. Utah Jazz well you're playing Danny Ainge tonight you're really trying to build yeah. out the next great contender in the Western Conference who's, who's up to. at 17
1: yeah so the top guy on my personal board and I did I did some board tinkering today the top guy on my board is Grady Dick and that could be a pretty obvious pick because he's wide um but <laughs> I will not be taking him <laughs> instead so let's look at the Utah Jazz roster on paper right like they they nailed the Walker Kessler P- uh part of it nailed it yeah um the one knock that you might have on walker Kessler still is like defending in space you know these drop big centers can you close oh. the playoff series with them i think there's a guy out there who can become your closing big in the playoffs um and can also really play the four because this guy can shoot the cover off the ball he's a little bit him? raw he's got to get stronger uh, but I like him a lot. I'm taking Taylor Hendricks with uh, this pick for the Utah oh, Jazz here. Thank goodness you didn't um, go
0: where I wanted to go next. Okay, good okay,
1: stuff. Yeah, so I think that he might be taller than he's listed. He looks absolutely enormous out there. He's a mountain. Uh, he is like a real deal jump shooter. Like, I think that I would be stunned if this jump shot, like, closes the season, like, below 38, 37% from three. And even if it does, like, He's still a six foot 10 dude who protects (laughs) shoots 36% from three. Like that's still probably a first round guy in my book. Um, The stuff that he struggles with is like being strong inside around the basket, like stuff that's going to be really easy to improve his ball skills. have to get up to snuff for sure. Like I don't love him chased off the line. He's never made a pass that wowed me. Um, But the raw, just building blocks of guy who is big guy who is seamless, switchable defender guy who provides weak side rim protection, which I talk about all the time guy who could provide traditional room protection and really space the floor on offense like he feels kind of safe in some ways as raw as he still is uh and i think that if you get it like just danny just like developmental track record in his organizations is tremendous so um you get this kind of guy in that system you've got case wallace and you can really kind of take your time with Hendricks and see what he becomes but he's a guy like i i'm telling you if the shot falls like this like i think he might actually play as a rookie which not a lot of guys do anymore. And I think Damn. he has a shot to be that kind of guy.
0: So the really fun upside play about the draft pick that you just made, Maxwell, is
2: mm-hmm.
0: if Utah is going to invest in Laurie Marketing for the future, right? Num- number one, he has still has intriguing upside of his own. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing more of it this year in Utah. is putting up a potential, a potential all-star case, yeah. for goodness sakes, out I there think in he Utah. I but- was looking
1: through the lineups he should probably be in. Like He's probably an all-star.
0: He also just came from a situation in Cleveland where he had to play next to two other bigs too, and and they made it work. So he has some experience. So if you're if Danny Ainge is trying to build one of these really funky all size teams, where now you're throwing out a front court of, of Lowry, Taylor, Hendricks, and Walker Kessler with Case and Wallace making the point slash two, depending on what they need for defensive purposes, you're putting together a, a really really interesting team. Still here. got
2: Jared Vanderbilt too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Jeez. Yeah.
0: Yeah, to J- Jared Vanderbilt the two. Let's just chuck up bricks all day long from, from the <laughs> No,
2: I'm Not saying funny. you also have Jared I know, Vanderbilt. I was just
0: making a joke. But, and yes, the U- Utah could build one hell of a funky team, so I do like where Maxwell's going. When Maxwell gave the Taylor Hendricks description before he stopped just short of making the pick, I thought he was going with the guy who I'm going to take at number 18 for the mm-hmm. LA Clippers, who'd be Noah Clowney.
2: Yeah, I'm yeah let's do it. Wow
0: number 18. Now, Maxwell, I I thought this was going to be a little bit of a reach. Maxwell just owns the top two reaches Mm -hmm. in his draft so far. He went with Jed Howard, a six-spot reach by our composite board. Then he goes with Taylor Hendricks at 17, who was 30 on our composite board. Man, he has taken all the swings today, but I'm going to take a little one with Clowney. And the main reason why I would take the swing with Clowney at this point, for a Clippers team that doesn't really have an answer at the 4-5 spot, Quite like him, a mobile, potentially switchable defender down the line, somebody who can cover in space, who can protect the rim, and then also offer that perimeter shooting ability. We're not seeing it by the percentages quite yet in college. He's a sub-30% three-point shooter, but he does look good taking them. He looks very comfortable. And he did have a game already this year where he was five of 12 from the three-point line. So I think a lot of us here are no ceilings, or at least I should say on draft deeper in particular. We're buying that jump shot long-term, and we're seeing the high-level finishing ability, the potential high-level defensive capabilities that he has as a 4-5 or a 5-4. I'm going to take the upside swing here with Noah Clowney to the Clippers. And and the Clippers are another organization, by the way. They they like to make these long-term trending picks, right? They took Brandon Boston, who certainly fell, and they took him for the long-term. They took Jason Preston, a point guard who they're still building with for the long-term. They're not afraid to take chances on some of these guys. So I could see this being a destination for Clowney and Clowney's another guy, you know, like a Taylor Hendricks, like I'm sure a few names that we'll talk about very soon in this first round. We could see some movement because of some injury concerns with Nick Smith with Derek Whitehead, like we talked about. We could see some of these guys jump up into the lottery who we, we didn't have ranked there like a, a few weeks ago or a month ago. So I think the arrow's only trending up. So that's why Clowney's my pick at 18. Steven. You're back on the clock, Chicago Bulls Mm -hmm. via the Portland Trailblazers. Don't piss Corey off, or else he's gonna come find you. You know he will. I don't think I
2: will. I don't think I'm gonna make him mad.
0: Who's the player at number 19? Who you're going with?
2: Yeah, so the Bulls are in trouble, man. Like Zach Levine wants out, they're already talking about potentially like they want to offload Vucevic. There's potential that Alex Caruso is, is traded here soon, and then we have no idea. If we're ever going to see Alonzo Ball play for Chicago again, like we have no idea. So, so that leaves Demar Derozan and just NBA rotational players. I'll leave it at that. They need someone who who can step in and contribute on the like on the box score day one. I think the guy who has the highest upside to be like that next tier of six man slash even potential like starting caliber guard left on my board right now is Terquavion Smith. I think Terquavion Smith going to Chicago gives him someone who is an electric athlete, who is not afraid to pull up and shoot, who has grown in strength and as a playmaker as well. So he's a guy that can play off of DeMar DeRozan for a number of different reasons. He could play well off of Vooch for a number of reasons. If this team wants to rebuild, you have a key rotational player down the line who will probably outperform where he's taken based off of where he is now because of the offensive, you know, punch that he gives a team immediately. Like you're talking about one of the best. He could probably come in and be like in the consideration for six men of the year if he's not a starter for Chicago. You know what I mean? So I think getting that type of firepower here. Makes a lot of sense for Chicago, who has a lot of questions moving forward.
0: No, if Terquavion Smith hits, like he he's gonna really hit. Right. Mm -hmm. He's not just gonna be like a solid passable guard. I think a good comparison for him in that Chicago situation is Kobe White. And I like Terquavion Smith five times better than I like Kobe White coming out of college. Even though Kobe went as high as he did, I certainly didn't have a top 10 grade on him when he was coming out. I do have a top 20 grade on Traquavion Smith, and we were talking about the big board pod. There are absolutely worlds out there where he goes in the lottery. He's another one of those guys who could climb right back up into that conversation. So I think that's, even though some people would be a little shocked that Grady Dick is falling probably as far as he is, I think that was good value still in getting a guy like Traquavion Smith for a Chicago team who, if they are going to blow it up, They need to take upside. your quavion's upside is as a starting guard, not not even just a bench guy, but as a starting guard who can really cause problems because of his speed and shooting combination and the way that Jordan Poole has when he's gotten starts for the Warriors and been able to fill in in that type of role. Like Tyrese Maxey has for the Philadelphia seventy six. That's the type of Tyler Hero. That's the type of guard we're talking about at the end of the day. So that would be why Stephen took him at nineteen. Maxwell. Mm-hmm. new york knicks Yep. number 20 is yeah. is this where grady dick goes He has got another name okay yeah
1: yeah i almost i almost took him for utah i'm gonna take him here i i know again like it, these are not gigantic upside swings but i wouldn't totally sleep on the upside of grady dick either um Aria just did a really good piece for Draft Digest, and he's a Strickland writer. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that like him but being a guy who thinks Grady Dick is okay, <laughs> well, like maybe get me off the hook with Nick's Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Grady Dick is real good. Uh, he's he's shooting
0: 49 percent from three yeah, point range. For well, he's, goodness' sake,
1: he's six eight. He is an excellent, excellent shooter off of movement, um, off the dribble. He can do it all. Uh, but, like, his first step is really good. Like, he is a really nice first step. He's good at finishing at the basket. And my big complaint about him from the high school film was, like, the in-between portion of that was very bad yes. in high school. Like, if he got walled off at all, if somebody rotated, got in a position, like, he did not know what to do, he's really improved as far as that goes while scaling up, as far as, like, oh, hey, like, I have to make a decision. I have to do it quickly. I have to know where my teammates are. That's come along. Um, I'm... Going back to Aria's piece again, he did a really good job with it. Uh, but one thing that he mentioned, and it was something that jumped out to me, and I, I wrote about it when I saw Grady at the All-American game uh, that McDonald's did. Like, he he is real thin. Like, he is very, very skinny. Um, and I think that's part of the problem with his on-ball defense. Like, off-ball, he knows what's going on. He knows where to be on the ball. Uh, he's both a little slow to react, and that's going to be a harder fix, I think. But the other problem is guys can just get through his chest. I think he's got room um, to fill out though. I like do. Yeah. Some, I just do. And I, we, I do. You he's, talk
0: about it all the time, Maxwell. That yeah. Like, a- anybody can get stronger and get bigger 100%. if they really commit to it. But yeah, I think in his case, with his body type, he can do it and it won't really affect him a ton other than nope. help him.
1: Yeah. I don't think he'll get any slower. Like I think he's in a good position to do it. He de- he doesn't have like baby fat on him, which is like where it gets tricky because it's like, oh, you have to mm-hmm. get that off, but you have to get the muscle on. Like that's not a problem for Greedy Dick. Like he's mm-hmm. he's in a really good starting point to start putting on muscle. Um so yeah, like I, I just think this is a really good fit. He's going to give them shooting that they need. Um and like I just wouldn't be surprised if it becomes a more like well-rounded offensive player. He rebounds like,
2: pretty well too. That's the thing you know,
1: like can- he knows what he's doing. Like I think there is like a Boyan Bogdanovich style situation for him but it's six eight like i don't think that's like entirely
2: off the table if it's you consider if you consider who else is on this team and you look at the rebounds and the assists that he logs as mm-hmm. well where he is like that's not neither one of those are probably like his top three jobs or roles or mm-hmm. whatever and he still does them you know like he mm-hmm. and he does them at a decent clip like he's an intelligent player mm-hmm
1: Oh, and I'm sorry, I meant Bogdan when I, when I was talking about the Bogdanoviches. Uh, no, 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 more, no, more no Bogdan worries. Bogdan you're I'm, of, you're Bogdan, not the
0: first but. person to get those two mixed up on a pod, and I'm sure you won't be the last.
1: Yeah, have not slept this week. A lot of, lot of ball this week. Not, not a lot of sleep. <laughs> but yeah, I think he's like that type of player, but bigger, is I think what you're ultimately like hoping for with Greedy Dick.
0: Well, speaking of no sleep, Sacramento Kings fans probably are not getting a lot of sleep this year because they're just so <laughs> damn excited about how many times they get to light the beam! in the waiting keeps everyone shout out. shout out to Nick Ager Johnson on the no ceilings team he is thrilled for the kings we talked about Keegan Murray on the on the most recent rookie ranked podcast him and I did together i get to make the pick for them at 21 boy there are a number of interesting ways i could go with this pick and i know the kings fans they're excited they're winning again. They might possibly be a playoff team in the West. Go get a guy who can contribute right away. Don't necessarily focus on the upside. But we love looking long-term here at those ceilings, in particularly on Draft Deeper. And there's a name who we can talk about who I don't have any fancy schmancy t- statistics to read off about him. All I have is some grainy international film and some FIBA tape to go off of. But – heck yeah, Baba Miller has to go here at twenty one because I still have him as a top twenty prospect. The versatility that he could provide for the Sacramento Kings, and I believe he's six foot eleven. I don't know what his reported wingspan is, but I'm sure it's freakishly long because he looks freakishly wrong when he's running up and down the floor. Moves incredibly well for his size. Is as much of a threat in transition to finish a play over top the basket as he is to sprint to the corner and be able to shoot the three right his floor spacing could be one of the more intriguing parts of his game at the nba level and he also provides in a similar way to what taylor Hendricks was talking about i mean what max was talking about with taylor Hendricks. excuse me we don't have taylor Hendricks on this podcast so that'd, that'd be pretty cool that's a Tune in next, week. <laughs> Tune in next week. But what Maxwell's talking about with Taylor Hendricks, Bob and Miller could potentially provide a lot of that at the NBA level as well. And the Sacramento Kings for as fun as their team is offensively, boy, do they still need help on the defensive side of the ball. And I think Bob and Miller would be a fun project for that team to ultimately build towards having another one of those four, three, five Swiss army knife combo type of defenders while also being able to space the floor with him. And who knows, maybe more of his ball handling ability comes along Maybe we see more of that passing and transition and he becomes another fun piece for them. So I'm going to take Baba Miller as the Sacramento Kings that leaves Steven back on the clock. The Brooklyn Nets are picking via Maxwell and I's Philadelphia 76ers. Damn them. I wish that the 76ers could have had a pick right now because there's still some really, really interesting prospects on the board. But who are you going with the 22?
2: Man, like, this board did not break the way that I was anticipating at all, and I'm glad that you took Baba Miller because I was going to take a project there for the Nets if you didn't. I told oh you, boy!
0: Stephen.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna go by my board, and I am going to take Kyle Filipowski to the okay. Brooklyn Nets. It gives them some height. Gives them some floor spacing. It gives them some playmaking out of unique positions on the floor and uh, and a rebounder. You got interior defense already with what you're getting from Nick Claxton with, you know, Ben Simmons. KD is having a completely understated defensive year, and um, he just gives you some punch off of the bench in the front court that you, you, you just don't have right now in Brooklyn. You know, you, you got a lot of guard depth in theory if you look at the names that are on their roster. But if you look at their front court rotation, it's thin. like TJ Warren is just now starting to get back in the mix. Um, I'm going upside swing here with a guy who can give you some positional versatility. And if he's anything like what Corey has been talking about and writing about, like you're, you're getting a Larry Markin and type player who is multi-positional, versatile force, force, floor spacer, excuse me. And, uh just gives you so much lineup versatility. So I'm going to go with Filipowski here for the Brooklyn Nets.
0: It's been a long week. We're all fumbling over our words at this point. But what Steven was talking about was spot on, just from an upside perspective. He's the type of player who the Brooklyn Nets would want to continue building with, along with Nick Claxton, one of the more versatile defenders that we have across the entire NBA. Matt Issa, friend of the program, just wrote a spectacular piece um, for opt out uh, analysis about one, Nick Claxton. So if anybody hasn't read that piece, definitely make sure they go ahead and check that out because Brooklyn all of a sudden has something fun cooking in the Eastern Conference. They're looking like a potential contender again. So why not add somebody who can come in, tailor-made, ready to play a role offensively for an NBA squad? Maxwell, 23, the Phoenix Suns. Mm -hmm. Everyone thought the Phoenix Suns were going to be a dumpster fire. Coming into this year with all the off the court drama that the team was facing, including all the DeAndre Ayton stuff, would you look at that? They're back to winning a lot of basketball games. It's it's funny how that happens when you have the talent in place and a good coach. Everything seems. And the owner sells time. the team. And and, mm-hmm. and the owner sells the team. That's right. So you could go, really, you could go either avenue, Maxwell. You could yeah. go for for long term, or you could try to give them one more piece to help them in the short term depending on how long chris paul is going to be with that team however long they're going to be in this championship window with him in the fold, what, what which avenue are you going
1: yeah so the the phoenix suns there was a story about this a little while back they have a weird kind of thought process regarding the draft they have like a really small scouting staff they were like we're not gonna make a pick we're gonna get rid of our picks we're only looking at like six guys and like we're just monitoring them throughout the year it was really funky so i'm gonna take a funky player who i'm still not quite sure what to make but i think he is a guy that you draft in this range uh and phoenix is also a very bad two point percentage shooting team they're like Uh 24th in the league on twos so i'm gonna take a guy who's quite good on twos i'm gonna take leonard miller from the g League. Oh. uh yeah so i am the high man on leonard miller within no ceilings Maxwell, these and swings still are not hot, that high on him
0: leonard yeah, miller is tonight. 47th on our yep. composite board we are going for it i love it
2: yeah so you're on yeah, an I, island, one would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: don't I don't um, know if he's on an island anymore, Steven. I'm not I think on, I'm coming around on Leonard.
2: Yeah, I'm
1: not on Leonard Millard Island to the the extent that others are. Um, there are some people that like really, really love him. And I'm not there right. yet, but I think he's good. Um yeah so here's the thing with Leonard Miller. He is like six ten, six eleven. He was a late growth spurt guy, which is what we've seen with like Trey Murphy, Anthony Davis, like some of these guys, like they just pop up and it takes a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to be Anthony Davis, but like some of these guys, like it just takes him a little bit longer. He did not have a ton of high, high level like basketball reps before playing for the Ignite. Mm-hmm. When we did the Metropolitan's game playback stream, we always said it's about point A to point B with Leonard Miller. Leonard Miller is so much better than he was at the NBA Combine six months ago that it's not even funny. And like, I think that when we see where he is in March, we're, he's going to be even further along. Um, he plays really hard. Like his motor is exceptional at his size. Like he is killing it on the glass. He's really quick off the floor for putbacks and like second chance opportunities. Um, I think coaches are going to like him. And I think that work ethic is going to help in terms of the fact that like, he makes some pretty brutal mistakes. He turns the ball over a ton, um, gets way too adventurous as a passer um he's not always fluid like sometimes he'll do a move and it's like wow that's really impressive for a guy his size and then the next time it'll it'll look like he's trying to do the move and roller skates um he also like will just make puzzling choices there was a game i was watching where it was against santa cruz warriors where he has a small on him instead of like taking him down low and like pounding him out which he's more than capable of he calls for a ball screen and they were switching everything he gets a bigger guy on him, and then he just launches a contested three, and he's like a sub thirty percent three point shooter. So he does something like that. and It's like no Leonard. It was like he's just he makes very he makes frustrated. some poor
0: decisions, and I still hate the jump shot. But yeah, the jump shot else.
1: looks busted. Is the other and thing that's too, supposed like- to be his thing. I don't. And it's not supposed to be his thing. The thing with Leonard Miller is I feel like people have made like nine different things his thing. They were like, <laughs> oh, he's kind of like a stretch big. And then it was like, oh, you should see him run pick and roll because of the way he manipulates second level defenders. Well, he turns the ball over way more than he gets assists. So I'm not so sure about how well he's manipulating second level defenders or how well he's tilting defenses. or A lot of things people said he was going to be. But what he is is a really high energy player who can occasionally do some really creative stuff. The defensive flashes are good and the defensive consistency is night and day yep. better than it used to be. Still some really bad lapses on that end and the ones that he makes really stick out because they're really poor. But in general, like as an on-ball defender, he's he's pretty good. Uh, And he's getting way better at knowing when he can help, when he can cheat. I just think like he's so raw and the fact that he's still being as productive as he is in the G League while being as raw as he is. And part of it's that it scoots out right now. So he's getting more chances to do stuff, but he's scoring 15.3 points per game, almost nine rebounds over a steal, an assist and a half, 0.6 blocks. Like these are good numbers for a kid playing in a pro league that like hadn't really been exposed to anything like this and is doing way better than I kind of expected him to do at this point in the year. So it was the smartest I'm in, decision. I'm in on in as the, the first round. Best decision of anybody in this class as far as like Be- school choice, league, whatever, the best one, hands down. Buys him a long leash. He can do whatever he wants. He can make as many mistakes as he wants. He's getting world class coaching, and he's going to just get to play through all of it. Hundred percent,
0: Maxwell. I could do half a podcast on just Leonard Miller alone.
1: He's fascinating. Really
0: happened with him, and I still haven't even watched all that I'm going to over the next ten days. But I told you guys before we started recording the podcast, Leonard Miller is near the top of my list in terms of guys mm-hmm. who I really want to take some time to study this week because. First of all, something that I did mention to you guys, I will third, the fact that he made a great decision to do what he did and go to the G League Ignite because this is something that prospects have obviously taken more note of with the international talent that's flooded the NBA how mm-hmm. we have MVPs that are just popping up from all different countries outside the United States, but from a college perspective and or a developmental path or pathway to the NBA perspective. We're we're far and away from you got to go to one of these top colleges to get the exposure to go high in the draft oh, yeah. or higher in the draft. We're far removed from that. And with Leonard Miller, I thought before he made that decision, he could he should go the pathway of Ignite because he'd be playing against grown men. He'd be getting better coaching in an NBA style system to where he can make some of these mistakes that Maxwell was talking about, but ultimately if he was able to embrace the tougher challenge, he would come out of it a much better player, in my opinion, than he would going to the college route. And I think the other thing too, I wasn't I wasn't low on Leonard Miller last draft cycle because I didn't believe in him at all as a player. I think Steven and I talked at length about him before the draft to where him and I both came to the same conclusion We are not going to give Leonard Miller a top 45 grade heading into the 2022 NBA draft. But if he keeps his name out of the draft and he takes that year and he goes to college or hopefully went to the United, whatever the case may be, and he takes the steps to develop into a player who embraced doing the little things and embraced finding a role in the court to where he could earn minutes once he got to the NBA – to polish on all these other fun facets of his game that Maxwell was outlining that everybody thinks he could do one day, but he can't do right now. That he could be a fascinating case study and somebody who could come back and be a first round pick. And now I think he's 100% trending in that direction. I, I really love where Leonard Miller's game is going. I'm not like a top 20 grade on him or a lottery grade on him. But I think when you get into the background of the first, right? Anywhere like 21 all the way out to 30, That's the type of range where you take a Leonard Miller. So I I agree with the pick. I'm glad Maxwell made it, even though it was his third reach of the night. I was kind of nudging at him a little bit. (laughs) Like, I I know he likes Leonard. Mm -hmm. Take Leonard Miller because I think he'd be a fascinating talking point.
1: He was the the highest rated guy on my board. I did when I rearranged it, he's up to 21. That's, (laughs) I, he's got to like do more to go higher, is the thing. Like, this is as high as I'm willing to put him based on like what I've seen um because like there is i think there are still like negative outcomes for him where if like he ends up on a contending team and they don't trust him or like he has a coach like a tom thibodeau who's just like gonna be quick on on the trigger to just get him out of the game like that kind of stuff is where i worry about him like just are you gonna have the opportunities yeah yeah and like i don't know A, a situation like phoenix i know they don't have like a g league affiliate but it's like just give him a great coach. Maybe he gets to show some stuff during the regular season. Maybe being with a point guard, like Chris Paul helps him out. Like I think, and I think the work ethic is there. And I think that's really important is, and I, I mentioned that with Marshawn a lot last year, like some guys like you need to see how hard they play. And it's like, coaches yeah. love that. Like coaches love that stuff. And if the guy's working really hard, they'll, the coach will try to find ways to get them on the court.
0: Exactly. And for, for all the, the poor decisions we can joke about him making on the court off of it, He's made all of the right He's ones since yeah. the combine. So really probably and they made
2: Jacques Landell a thing this year, too. So why not? You know?
0: <laughs> why, why, why not try and make Leonard Miller a thing? All right. So I'm back on the clock. I'm finally picking for the Utah Jazz, thankfully. It's not Maxwell making another pick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maxwell's done a great the job. Utah <laughs> Maxwell's. Ma- Maxwell's actually set me up to make a really interesting pick here. So a little refresher at 14. The Utah Jazz via the Timberwolves took Case and Wallace. Then at seventeen, they made their own pick with Taylor Hendricks. So we've seen two defensive-minded picks to build around some of the offense that this team has shown that they're capable of scoring with flamethrowers on any given night this year in the NBA. It's a big reason why they've been the surprise oh, that they boy. are. Let's give them a third defensive-minded player. Let's go okay. Jalen Clark out of UC. I knew it. Let's, ah, all right. Let's do it. Let's, let's load up that bat. So the two best defenders in this draft class, if you want to make a few other arguments for the front court, fine. But for my money, I'm taking Case Walsh, and I'm taking Jalen Clark as the two best defenders in this class. You're going to put both of them in the same backcourt? Talk about the exact opposite of where the Utah Jazz were just last year. When they're trotting out backcourts of like they're they're playing Mike Conley along with Donovan Mitchell along with Jordan Clarkson it's like yeah these are all great scores and offensive options but they're not stopping anybody they're not helping out Rudy Gobert by any stretch of the imagination so let's do the exact 180 from that and let's put two guys in the backcourt who can contain quite literally anybody and oh by the way anyone out there who wants to say Jalen Clark's only an off only a defensive player. The shooting's been better, I think, than advertised the 39% on threes, but let's also not just skate past the fact that he's a 60% scorer from the floor overall to this point in the season. Even if you aren't the most reliable jump shooter, if you're finding a way to put the ball in the basket six out of every 10 shots, I'm not going to give as much of a shit about what you're shooting for three-point range. I'm just not. He's proven to be a high-level scorer in multiple different areas of the game he's averaging close to 16 points per game he's only getting better as the year goes on like now he's starting to rack up some 20 plus point outings along with three to four steals along with all the rebounding along with better passing that i think sometimes he's given credit for off of a live dribble this guy is just a playmaker all over the place 31 per 65 and a half true shooting percentage give me jalen clark at number 24 for the Utah Jazz. Let's let's raw all defense, baby. Just get those stops. That's what we're doing now in Utah. So that was one of my favorite picks of the night. I had, had to do it. Had to take my guy, Jalen Clark. So, Steven, you're up now, 25 for the Los Angeles Lakers via the New Orleans Pelicans, that, that crucial pick swap that happened where the Pelicans got to take Nick Smith instead of the Lakers. I'm sure that that hurts some Lakers fans out there, but – maybe you can save a little bit of that disappointment with who you would give them at 25. What direction are you going?
2: Yeah, I think it is no secret that the Lakers are looking to get off of the contracts of Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn here soon in the trade market. Uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, point guard on this team, has played very well off of the bench. And I just want to say shout out to Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons for kind of quietly turning their narratives around so far in the early season. It's been awesome to see LeBron James is not getting younger. Anthony Davis, when he's on the court has looked like a top five player, but he's also Anthony Davis. And you know, that he's, I don't know if good is the right term, but you know that this is probably a time of the year or it's, it's going to happen a couple of times a year where he's going to miss time. And by the way, historically speaking, LeBron James is also due for an extended break. Soon, from what we've seen the past couple of years, so I want to get a youth movement going. I want to get the point guard position addressed. I want to get versatility. Um, He hasn't performed to a lot of our expectations so far, but the season's still young and it's a tough team. I think for him to um, acclimate to, I'm going to go with Jalen Hushovdino. I still, I still believe in him as a player. I I love the defense. I love the defensive versatility. I love that he can get to his spots. I like the long term. Um, shooting potential that he gives this team and also he's a a pretty good playmaker as well so I think that he can play with the vets on this team and I think that he's eventually um, a building block for the future for the Lakers if they draft him here so give me Jalen
0: I think it's a great pick I think the defense is certainly something that the Lakers would want to subscribe to with Jalen and also with JHS as I like mm-hmm. to aptly call him and in, in text messages and other things gotta, I gotta, down, get, get, yeah. gotta gotta subtract some characters from that, make it a little bit easier to type out all the time, <laughs> but with Jalen, what he can grow into offensively, I think he could really learn a lot from a mentor like LeBron James, as you outlined Stephen. I think that'd be a yeah. great place for him to go learn, develop, and if he does become the best version of himself, that's a lottery type talent, like we were talking about it once. Before the year started, he's had a little bit of injury trouble. He's had some yeah. offensive inconsistencies, but if he is that best pull-up shot-making, passing version of himself, along with the defense that he gives you at six foot six in the backcourt, he could be quite the intriguing long-term piece for a team. Who, yeah, as you said, they they need to stock the cupboard a little bit with some youth. So Jalen I I like that pick for them. Maxwell, you are mm-hmm. back picking for in my opinion, the worst team in the NBA, the Charlotte Hornets, yeah. via the Denver Nuggets. They get another bite at the apple here in the first round. I gave them a Sora Thompson, so I gave them some help on the wing to go alongside LaMelo Ball and some of the other bigs they're trying to develop. Where are you going at number 26?
1: Yeah, it is weird to see a team that is like this bad, but still this precarious from a fit standpoint <laughs> to like make the talent work. Um, so they you have a lot not- of
0: players they are trying to develop at one time. And I feel yes. like almost none of them are working out as to how they would. No.
1: Can't even get yes. on the floor. It so like... we took a SAR earlier and they also have like Mark Williams, who I like, who's like not playing.
0: I think so... Mark Williams is going to be good. I think Just he's going to be good. Too. Haven't been good in the NBA, but the G league he's tearing it up.
1: Yes. Right. I, I believe in Mark Williams, but then like they also draft like Kai Jones and JT Thor and like, and then we took a SARS. So it's like, there's a lot of just like non shooters, right? Like, going. well, this guy's just going to play defense, but it's going to be okay. Cause he's going to catch lobs from Lonzo. And like, it turns out they can't even do that. Um yeah. So I know that their head coach just went on a rant the other day about how nobody plays defense and they want to get more defenders, but I'm sorry. Sometimes the guy is crazy. on the board who is too good. And you've just got to take him. And that's when you use your common sense of ball. And you take you Bryce pair him with Lamelo, and you just give another shot maker to kind of relieve the pressure. And I know the two of them might not be great defensively together, but I think Bryce like has the tools. He's gotten in so much better shape since he's been at Ohio state. He competes really hard. He's going to give you stuff on the class. Like he's going to get after it. And I think there's going to be worlds where like, him and Asar are at the forward spots. Mark Williams comes along and maybe this all gets a lot easier when they have that type of rim protector behind them. Um, yeah. I, I just think Bryce is like too talented to let slide any further and you take him and maybe he can be like what you thought James book Knight was going to be. <laughs> uh, yeah. I Ouch. think that's what you hope for.
0: That's who I was going to pick next for the Indiana Pacers via the Cleveland Cavaliers, because I, I believe in the offensive upside with Bryce. I agree, Maxwell, he is, has been far too good offensively for Ohio State, 51% from the field, 49% from three-point range, 79% from the line, 29.5 PER, and a 64 true shooting percentage as a freshman. As a freshman, that's, that's a little ridiculous. And I got to see him up close and personal in Madison Square Garden this past weekend against North Carolina. He looked awesome in that game besides a few boneheaded passes besides some defensive lapses right like he's he's not going to be a high level defender which is what you talked about they could use some of that in charlotte but at this point getting a proven commodity on one end of the floor where all of that i think is going to translate right out of the gate he in my mind is a good guy to take in the top 26 and he might eventually be a top 20 pick boys i'm not gonna not gonna rule that out i i'm I'm getting that dangerously in love with Bryce Sensabaugh as a prospect, and I, I just I don't think it's out of question. Something so,
2: about Bryce's that Nathan just like absolutely loves as Bryce document. McGowan's, <laughs>
0: Bryce Sensabaugh. <laughs> I'm, I'm listen, man. Get them
2: both on the same team. It's it's cool.
0: It's it's a good well, Yeah, if there's one way to tug at my heartstrings, it's having Bryce McGowan's and, and Bryce Sensabaugh on the same team. But so now I'm left at 27 for the Pacers with. Two guys left, actually three guys in my little list here I made of 19 prospects before we did this podcast where I was going to choose from these 19 guys, and I was sure that not all of them would be taken from me, and I was correct. There are still a few guys left. I can hopefully get two out of the three for my picks. We will see how the draft ultimately breaks over the next four. I'm going to go with Ricky Council the fourth for, for the Indiana Pacers. I like, I like them getting another proven scoring option who he's not, he's not a great defender, may not even be a good defender, but I think he's passable enough to where they can get a little funky with the selection. They can go after a older prospect who he's not a lights out shooter from three point range, but man, can he Get up there and finish around the basket. And he loves to live in the mid range and he can get those shots to fall. And Indiana has seen a few mid range type of scores, don those uniforms as well once upon a time. And I think Ricky Council could be another guy who slides right into the rotation. He can be their eighth man, their ninth man, their 10th man off the bench and eventually maybe work his way up to being more than that. Maybe a surprise pick for some. But I like going after proven offense. And to me, Ricky council's done enough as a guy who more nights than I look at the box score than not he's leading that Arkansas team in scoring a very talented Arkansas team and he's been the main guy to put the ball in the basket for the Hawks this year so I will take Ricky council at number 27 Stephen you're making the pick at 28 for the Memphis Grizzlies you what, already best, know what it is the best drafting team at, at this point in, in recent memory and yeah, we know. You're 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 taking a swing, but for, for a team like the Grizzlies who can afford to bring in somebody who might need to develop a little bit, who might not be an instant impact guy right out of the gate, but could yield some interesting returns in the long term, I think I know where you're going. It might be a good fit for Memphis.
2: Yeah, I think, listen, Kashawn Gilbert, anyone that follows me on Twitter, anyone that's read any of my articles so far during the season <laughs> has seen this name pop up, and he is a name that I knew that my heart was going to chase steadily after and I put mechanisms in place to keep him from just from very early on in the season, being as high as he is on my board right now. And I just can't not do it anymore, you know, and thanks to the inspiration that Maxwell sent us out last week, like I'm I'm going for it. And if you're also following any sort of like prospect scouting on Twitter, you're seeing his name pop up in other places other than myself. So I think that it's starting to catch. And listen, Kashawn Gilbert, 6'4, 190, wiry, strong, shooting like 50% from the floor, 50% from deep, 80% from the line, giving you two stills a game. Um, very consistent numbers across the board in every area on the floor. Very capable finisher, either hand, very capable passer, either hand. Um, showed in Washington State that he can switch on the big man and give a pro- and give problems. He he's just consistently one of the most one of the best players in college basketball already this season, and he's a sophomore. Um, incredible growth from his freshman year, and I think look, Memphis got John Morant. You got your big, long, wiry point guard. Can, I think he, can he he can...
0: play alongside like a John? Not not just a John Morant, Stephen, but also like a, a John Morant, a Tyus Jones, Kennedy Chandler. Like, can he play alongside those guys? You think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, he is a very good catch and shoot. Um, point guard at UNLV already he can also create off the bounce for himself and for others I think that he is I think he is versatile enough to play in multiple point guard uh, rotations and he can he can set others up and be set up for himself he's a name that I'm he's not just a guy that like I think that people catch a catch a look for and and are trying to just being different like I genuinely feel like Kishon Gilbert is an NBA player And I think I genuinely feel like he's a first rounder.
0: I love it. I love that. Looking at this mock draft, we've definitely gone outside of our consensus top 30. And this is why I wanted to open up the exercise, because even though we've done that guys, I really feel like this draft that we've created is not far fetched as to what could happen come June. Right. I I think our boards have changed drastically, even over the last two weeks, since we really started Mm -hmm. putting our, composite 2.0 board together. Our opinions keep changing, the draft keeps evolving. And there's so many new names popping up while even some of the guys who probably won't be taken in this exercise. It's not like we don't like them as prospects. There's just a really wide field to be able to tap into and and upside to, to really ultimately buy, especially the later half of the first round into the early parts of the second round. So I do not mind the Gilbert pick, Steven. I think that how this draft is broken out, it's it's it'll be interesting to see who goes in these last two spots. Maxwell, you have a pick for the Indiana Pacers at twenty-nine via the Boston Celtics. I'm curious where you're going to go before I have the last pick at number thirty.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna swing again. Um surprise. <laughs> this one, yeah, this is probably the one I feel the least good about, but I like I feel like if this player is going to thrive, like this is the situation for it. Um, so I mentioned earlier, like Indiana's been playing like these really small lineups with a lot of guards. Um, I don't think they need like a big, cause like you've got Jalen Smith like you've got, um, miles Turner. there still like every year, no matter how many times he's in trader rumors, they never trade him. Uh, so you've got some like floor spacing. Uh, so I'm going to give them just an energy guy play finisher who can fit next to Tyrese Halliburton. And I'm going to take Dylan Mitchell with this pick um i'm I've,
0: surprised but not surprised he fell yeah
1: like i don't love dylan mitchell and i'm not like convinced that he's gonna be anything but i think like as i start to look at other players in this range it's like okay well like jalen wilson's there but he measured at like six six at the combine and like he doesn't really provide any help defense like is he really changing that much for them colby jones a little small Derek lively and kalal Ware, like you're already loaded on bigs so i don't think either of them do anything for you Ryan repair again, like you're getting more back in the wing territory. Like just looking through my board, he's kind of the guy that makes sense uh, in this spot is just like going to play good defense, going to switch up and down his defensive productivity. Hasn't been all the way there. Like I I've seen like the Kenneth Farid comparison, look at Kenneth Freed's rebound rates, even as a freshman, I know it was at Missouri state, but like he was a way better rebounder than Dylan Mitchell is in limited minutes. Like I still have real concerns about him. Um, but you've got multiple picks. Like I, I just think this is like a, a bite at the apple that's it, that's worth taking at this point.
0: I'm also taking a bite at the apple. And somebody who, by the way, by when we turned in these composite boards, I have him at 14. I still have him as a late lottery prospect, but he has fallen this far. I will take Hello Ware here for the Houston Rockets. This is this is truly uh, a swing for the fences. If you will, for them, if it works out, they have another uh, big man to play alongside, or maybe instead of Alper and Shengun, when Shingun gets in foul trouble, despite all the offensive value he can give, I still love Shingun's upside. He's really starting to prove it for the Houston Rockets. But when he gets in foul trouble, when he's not able to play, he's another guy who you're playing him alongside of Jabari Smith Jr. Talk about the floor space again, the rim protection that they could have from both of those spots. It's it's a gamble. At this point, with either of the bigs, but when I gave Steven a little crap for dropping the bigs as far down his board as he did... well, oh, I was going
2: to talk about it based on the way this board broke down. Y'all gave me yeah. a hard time.
0: I, I think it's just you You take a look at the teams who are drafting in some of these spots, like 16 and on. How many of them really want to draft a true center is is the problem. And it's, again, I still like Kolo I still like Derek Lively. I know Maxwell still likes Derek Lively, but is the talent screaming at us to take them higher in this draft, right? I'm I'm not as big of a Kyle Filipowski guy not as some people. Either. Maybe yeah. I would have swung for one of those two bigs there for the Nets. Maybe I could have swung for another big man for the Sacramento Kings or the Phoenix Suns. But I don't mind the Baba Miller and Letter Miller gambles right there either, right? They, and, they the little- and the Clowney
2: and the Hendricks, like, that's what I, that's the point I was making on the last show is that like there are other big men that are showing themselves to be just as young, just as, you know, have the same dimensions and are producing at a higher level like that. It wasn't like I was intentionally trying to slide those dudes down. It's just like their guys coming for their spots and we just proved it. So the best
0: prospects that we were not, we did not take in the first round in this draft, best prospects, at least by our composite boards since I took Khalil Ware, he came off. So Derek Lively did not go in our first round. Ryan Rupert did not go in our first round. Marcus Sasser did not go in our first round. Jalen Wilson and Tyrese Proctor did not go in our first round. And then right in that early second territory, guys who could have snuck in, uh, C.D. Sissoko did not go, Azulas Tabellas, Kobe Jones, and Julian Phillips would be our next guys up. But outside of that, we did take a lot of our composite top 30 inside of our top 30 in the mock draft, but the swings we did take, they were fun swings, but I, I, as I just said a few minutes ago, I think a lot of them could really happen come June, and they're not going to look like swings anymore when we do this exercise a month or two from now. So I'm happy with how this turned out. I think it's a really unique look for a mock draft. Our, our idea, as you mentioned, Stephen, the mock posit idea, nobody else is really doing it in the space. I like doing it because I, I I think it makes us think more about our personal rankings when we're going exactly. into this exercise. Right, We're taking, quite literally taking our boards into the draft as NBA teams what they're taking their own personal mm. boards into the draft and they're trying to work off of them as much as they can. So guys, guys might sometimes go higher, guys might sometimes fall, but at the end of the day, you're trying to work off of a board. And I think what we're doing right here, it makes us think about it a little more before we come into the mock draft exercise versus we're just going to come on and do a mock draft, we're going to shoot the shit, we're going to pick some names, right? That's not what we're really doing with this exercise. So I like how focused it makes us from an evaluation standpoint. And I thought it turned out great for a second time in a row. So we're going to keep doing it here on Draft Deeper on the No Ceilings NBA feed. But thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to subscribe because you're a draft fanatic like all of us are, you definitely should be subscribed to this podcast feed wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you're not only subscribing, but rate the podcast Leave us a review. We love your feedback. We want to hear from you guys. How can we make these episodes better? How can we better serve the draft community as a whole? Give us that feedback. Let us know. We we are engaged. We like engaging with as many of you out there as possible. So please do that for us. And in doing that, you can not only rain, leave a review. You can also find me and communicate with me on Twitter at draft deeper. You can find Steven on social media at Stephen G hoops on Twitter, and you can find Maxwell on Twitter as well at, bound board. So guys, anything else you want to say about the mock draft exercise before we sign off?
2: Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Have a good one, everybody.
0: (laughs) That's a a short and sweet. We, We left it all on the floor in this episode, but until we meet again on this feed, thank you so much for listening. And as always have a wonderful rest of your week. Happy holidays.